This is the Becoming Educated podcast with me, Darren Leslie. I've been a teacher in Scotland for over eight years and I've loved every single minute of it. My mission in this podcast is to inform, challenge and inspire you to teach with joy. Okay, so my guest today is a former primary school teacher, stand-up comedian, and is now one of the world's most sought-after keynote speakers. He is also the managing director of the Tree of Knowledge and an author of Shine, Zest, and his new book, Life Will See You Now, Gavin Oates. Gavin, thanks for joining me. No problem. Big thank you for asking me on. Okay, to kick us off, could you answer the, the gold standard of interview questions? And could you provide us with a brief history of you and your career to date? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Gavin, as you've mentioned already. My career to date so far, so brief history, grew up in Troon. Uh, always wanted to be a primary school teacher and a stand-up comedian. I discovered very quickly that they are basically the same thing. Um, but I left home, went to Northern College of Education in Aberdeen, trained for four years to be a primary school teacher, but also in my first year at uni, somehow got myself involved in stand-up comedy uh, on the Scottish comedy circuit. Um, studied for four years, gigged as many nights of the week as I possibly could, which was really difficult being based in Aberdeen. It's probably the worst place to be based uh, when you want to do the circuit. Um, graduated 2001, taught for about six months, took some time out because my show went a bit crazy, ended up gigging all around the world, Australia, New Zealand, America, uh, London, the Fringe, and then like all great rock and roll stories, that all fell apart. Back to teaching, fell in love with teaching. Two years later, went on a workshop, been run by a brand new company called Tree of Knowledge. It was called Putting the Fun Back in the Staff Room. Didn't want to go on it, thought it would be terrible, sounded dreadful, uh, loved it, blew me away, quit my job that day, asked him for a job, joined him, wrote a whole bunch of workshops for teenagers around mindset and motivation. Uh, and then 11 years ago now, led a management buyout um, for all the right reasons. We started again, went on Dragon's Den in front of 10 and a half million people, and I haven't slept since. <laughs> you just keep on going. Um, so I'm going to ask you a few questions about things you've written. And also things that you said at the TEDx Click Manager. So obviously, if, if you haven't watched that, it is available on YouTube. But I would urge any teacher or anyone even to, to, to watch your 15 minutes of fame there. Um, but you've said quite a lot that primary teaching is the best job ever. Why is that? So I, I, I believe it is. I think it's right up there. Um, it's the... For me, working in, in the primary classroom, you find yourself in one of the most rewarding working environments that I think you can ever find yourself in. And I'm sure there's loads of jobs out there that I've never done that people find equally, equally rewarding, but I've never done them, so so I'm right. And um, <laughs> But it, it, you also find yourself surrounded by the most creative minds you'll ever find yourself surrounded by. I mean, working with children who are like five and six years of age. Now, okay, they ask a lot of questions, but every day is just all about discovery and imagining and learning and firsts um, and exploration and investigation. And 
Uh, and the great thing about working in the primary classrooms is you can see the the, the little wins and the little bits of progress. And, and kids at that age, I, I actually think I was more inspired working with kids under the age of 10 than I ever was working with adults. You know, my my daily working experience as a teacher, I just kept learning every day. These kids kept reminding me that that I've still got a wee five-year-old in me and it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to get it wrong. It's okay to, do you know, the big thing for me was it was okay to get excited about every day everyday things you know and I think I've worked with so many adults over the years that they're just not excited anymore you know and and but when you work in a primary one class like everything's exciting you know you you just the thought of you know drawing just the thought of playing just the thought of going the thought of going outside I think I think my daughter is a great example you know when when she's in school um and the the bell goes for the wet playtime now in her mind that doesn't mean you know, stay in because it's wet outside. That means get your wellies on. We're, we're going out to play in the puddles. And I think, you know, in the time that I was in the primary classroom and ever since then, I've I've been encouraged, I guess, by working with these young people to remember that's how we need to live life. There's too many adults out there hear that bell and think, yeah, I better stay in today. No, I to- totally agree with that. You kind of alluded to it very quickly in your brief history, but you left primary teaching to to join the world of, of personal development. So can you can you elaborate further on how that happened? Yeah, so, I mean, I it was not a, a world I was familiar with. Um, I didn't really know an awful lot about um, self-help and, and personal development and what, what that really meant. I, I think through my time at university, um, you know, obviously there was a lot of books that they recommended we read, but it was a lot of psychology stuff, which absolutely does cross over on a huge scale in, into this world but but the term self-help was was not something I'd ever heard before um, and I literally did go on a workshop being run by the business that I now own and, and, and run um, and I honestly thought it'd be awful but this this was one of the most inspiring things I, I kind of I was sitting there listening to this guy challenging us in a way that I'd never been challenged. Now, my teaching career was, was fairly brief in the grand scheme of things, but I'd been challenged on so many levels that this was different. I was sitting there feeling something that I'd never felt before about the, the industry that is teaching. Um, he was pushing buttons, he was ruffling feathers, but at the same time, the whole time, I just felt this fire just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I felt myself getting lifted higher and higher and higher. And I'm sitting thinking, this is this, is this guy's job. Like he turns up every day, stands up in front of teachers and parents and, and young people, and he makes them feel the way I'm feeling right now. This is, this is basically primary school teaching and stand-up comedy mashed together. It's my two absolute loves. Um, I want to do I want to do what he's doing. Um, and so, you know, if you fast forward um, two or three weeks, I, I, I found myself working with him, and it was at that point that I learned. There is a whole learning development industry out there. There is a whole training world out there. There's facilitators, there's presenters. I didn't I didn't even know that was a thing. So um, it opened my eyes very, very quickly. And then I happened to watch a documentary um, with uh, Gail Porter in it. Now, there's stuff on about her at the moment. Uh, you fam- I don't know if you're familiar with Gail. Um but this was at a time where Gail's story 
uh, about her own dealings with depression and anxiety had kind of started to hit the the, the news really, um, and and she'd started to lose her hair. And she st- she was on a program talking about um, self help. Actually, she was talking specifically about self help books. Again, I'm thinking I don't really know what that what that is. I was familiar with a lot of psychology books, but out and out self help books was new in me. And she used a phrase that has stuck with me forever. And actually, I use it quite a lot now when I'm, I'm talking to people about my own books. And that she said that these books give her permission. And I, I didn't really know what that meant, but it made me want to go to Waterstones or Borders or whatever it was at the time and pick up some of these self-help books that apparently give us permission and within minutes uh, I felt like I was being given permission to actually be me and to do the thing. I was always one for going for it. Um, I always knew I was going to be on stage, um, even though I had a fear of being on stage, which is something I haven't told too many people about, but it's in the new book. And um, But I read books that gave me permission to be who I really wanted to be, to remember who I was, and actually not be afraid to just go out there and make great stuff happen. That's a, that's a, that's a brilliant message, and I hope we'll come back to that a little bit later on. Um, in your in your books and in your, your speaking, you, you, you've got a really good Mary Poppins analogy when describing teachers. Could you elaborate on that, please? Yeah, so the Mary Poppins thing, like it started out just as a two-minute um I vlog, if that's even still a word that we use nowadays, um, that I filmed in my car one day and I just chucked it on Twitter and it went absolutely crazy um, in terms of shares and likes and people got in touch to book me to speak to their staff just because of a two-minute video. So I, I, it became a thing and I built it into my keynote and then, and then it appeared in chapter three in, in Shine, which my co-author uh, Dr. Andy Cope, um, who I know you know, um, described as the best uh, self-help chapter ever. Uh, so I was blown away by that. So, so let me answer your question. So um, my first ever day as a, as a student primary school teacher, I, I, it was a Monday. I was incredibly nervous and excited. And my introduction that morning had been very odd. It wasn't what I was hoping for. I found myself in a staff room I, I, I wasn't sure where to sit because I kept getting told I was in someone else's chair. Um, I picked up on a really unique vibe that morning and the only way I could describe it is with the word grumpy. It just felt really grumpy. And I remember thinking, why would any workplace feel grumpy on a Monday morning? You've, you've just had two days off. You must have come for this job. You must have signed a contract. I bet you take the money every month. So surely you turn up my Monday absolutely buzzing. Now, depending on where you're from, that word has many different meanings. However, you know exactly what I mean. Absolutely raring to go. Um, And I was listening to the conversations and I actually thought about leaving based entirely on other people's moods, their mindset, their attitude, their, I guess, their their behaviour. And just as I was thinking about quitting, this is day one, remember, not even 20 minutes in, everything changed uh, with the introduction of one member of the team. And this lady just floated in like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way, if I can quote the movies 
and the books directly. It was like she'd rays of light coming out her face. She just lit the room up. It, like the entire mood lifted. Tone of conversations changed. Smiles appeared on faces. Everything seemed to shift. And I just remember sitting there, or standing there rather, having felt really uncomfortable to this point, looking at her thinking, wow, who, who are you? You know, you've you've not even opened your mouth. All you had to do was turn up. How do you get to a point where you just need to walk into a room and you're able to have that sort of impact? And what, what happened to me in that moment was it threw me back to when I was in school. And it reminded me of all the amazing teachers that I have met throughout my life. Bear in mind, I didn't have a career to compare it to. Some might say I still don't, but that's not the point. And um, so I was thinking about all the types of teachers I've met and very quickly I sort of split them into two, two categories, Mary Poppins and Mr. Banks. Now, if any of your listeners haven't seen any of the Mary Poppins films or read any of the books, we'll just go with goodies and baddies. Although I'm keen to point out that Mr. Banks is not actually a baddie. He's just a really lovely guy who loves his family very much. He's just under a huge amount of pressure at the bank and he's surrounded by a lot of guys who, to be quite frank, are arseholes. And um, he needs he needs a wee break. Um, and if you've never seen Saving uh, Mr. Banks starring Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks, then get it watched because it's the most underrated movie of all time. But anyway, um, so we'll go goodies and baddies. So, But we'll start with the Mary Poppins types. So that's the, basically that's those women and that's those men who are a joy. They are pure magic. They, they, the most important thing about them is that they, they saw you. They got you, they heard you, they valued you, they supported you. And the wonderful thing about those individuals is that they have lifelong lasting impact. It doesn't matter how many years ago you went to school, you think about them now and you feel something. Um, they made that happen, which I just think is marvelous. But then there's the Mr. Banks types, and that's those men and women who, well, let me just be blunt about it, are a disgrace and shouldn't be allowed in the classroom in the first place. They're bored, miserable, angry, negative, unhappy people. The challenge with those individuals is that they too have lifelong lasting impact. Um, Again, it doesn't matter how many years ago it was you were taught by them. If you think about them now, you feel something. And that's that they made that happen. And that's that's not okay. Um, so um, with, with that in mind, there's also the ones that sit in between those two extremes that we can't remember. Um, and there's a reason we can't remember them. And that is because they're not memorable. In, 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 in that moment, I stood there in the staff room and thought, uh, uh, who am I going to be? And actually, I also in that moment, um, I had a, a wee memory of our first day in uni, which had only been like three weeks before. And the first thing they shared with us was the uh, was a, a very famous quote by I've forgotten her name. Was it Maya Angelou? Mary Angelou? Maya Angelou? I can't remember. Um, but. I didn't know it was a quote by her at the time, and the lecturer had said to us, before we introduce ourselves and welcome you on your four years to becoming a primary school teacher, the first thing we want to say is this, most people will not remember what you say, most of them won't remember what you do, but they will remember exactly how you make them feel. And I just stood there and thought, I get it. I know why I'm here. Whether I stay in teaching or not, that's my job. I need to be Mary Poppins every single day. Not the thought I thought I was going to have that morning when I left. The, the flat but um yeah it sounds odd but i made a pact with myself at 18 years of age that day i'm mary poppins
No, I, I think that's absolutely fantastic. And a great way to summarise the teacher. When I was chatting with, with Dr Andy Cope earlier on, I, I shared about how I've written about my favourite teacher and how he's made me feel and, and how he, he pretty much changed my life for the better. So I totally agree with that. Also in, in Shine, a chapter that I really, really enjoyed was when you talk about the wee piece of magic. Could you share what the wee piece of magic is? Yeah, so the wee piece of magic for me is is essentially, in, in one word, it's mindset. Um, for me, it's, it's all about mindset. But again, this goes back to talking about kids when, when they're four and five years of age and so on. And I believe that when I talk about this wee piece of magic, it's something we're born with. It's something natural. You know, we see it in young people every single day. We see it in some adults too, don't get me wrong. It's not that adults don't have it, but we see it more when 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 we're around young kids. And a couple of examples I give in that chapter are things such as, you know, when my son was four and, uh, you know, it was it was four o'clock on a Saturday morning and I woke up to the sound of him screaming dad as loud as he possibly could. And you know, I get the fright of my life. You know, anybody with kids listening to this knows what it's like when you hear your kids screaming through the night, you shit yourself uh, and you run, you run for the, sorry, I've not even checked if I'm okay to use language like that. I do apologise. Um, I'm pretty sure Andy chucked out some rude words. And uh, and it was in the, it, you know it was in that moment I jumped out of my bed and I ran for the door and my son came bursting in the door going dad dad and I, I'm saying to him what is it and he just simply I know why they're called eyeballs and he just ran back to his room and he never told me why they're called eyeballs I think I can guess but I had this moment where I stood there and I thought this is this is this is it this this is what I'm talking about this is this is the wee piece of magic now. If I can explain what's magic about it, it, four o'clock in the morning is irrelevant when you're only four. It was cool that you woke up and had a wee moment of, let's call it discovery, but it's the next bit, and that is he shared it, because that's what you do when you're four. You learn something new, you share it. It doesn't matter how big it is, how small it is, how exciting it is, how, or how boring it is, you share it. But because you're four, you don't just share it, you share it, and you share it with passion and excitement and wonder. Um, you know, when, when you think about it from an adult's perspective, how many times in the workplace, for example, are we encouraged to share best practice? And how many of us are actually truly doing that? I read a thing literally, what, two weeks ago or something that said the real reason adults don't share best practice as much as they used to now is because we're simply too busy. How can you be too busy? How can you be too busy to share your, your wee piece of magic, your your energy, your, your, your love for something, your passion for something, your learning? Um, and then, you know, I... I Another example I give in Shine is is you know this this moment where we're we're sitting having dinner and and there's broccoli on the plate and my son leans over and he, he realizes I don't like broccoli. This was the first moment I like vegetables, but broccoli is not my favourite. My kids suck all the juice out, which is just gives me the bulk. But my son leaned over and he picked a bit up and he held it up and he said, "You should eat your greens." And I'm thinking, "You should stop touching my food." Um, but he said to me, "Dad, broccoli's great fun." Now I'd never heard this sentence before, and I'm saying to him, "What?" What, what do you mean? And he said, it can be stuff. And I love that. It can be stuff. And I'm thinking, you're you're telling me this is going to look like a piece of broccoli. We've all been there. Um, but of course, he was streets ahead of me because he's four and a half at this point. And he said, Dad, see this piece of broccoli here? Imagine it was summer. And he paused and he went, actually, no, Dad. And he kind of took a giant bite of the broccoli and he took the top off completely. And he looked at me and went, in fact, and he pointed at it and he went, autumn. And I just thought, in that moment, that is pure genius. 
And I thought, isn't it great how at that age you can take anything you want and just transform it into anything you want? Um, and I always think there's three brilliant reasons why kids are so good at this. One, they always want things to be more fun and more exciting and more colourful. They um, they believe it's possible and they know it's worth all the effort, which is why they'll build Lego for hours and hours and hours and then knock it all down and start again, which is why they'll go out to build a den in a garden, uh, even though they've been told, but it's going to rain in an hour. And I kind of think this is the shift that's happening for so many people now. We're moving away from being the person that wants to go outside and build a den to becoming the person who says, but it's going to rain in an hour. And I think, you know, the, the, if you think about those three things through the, the, the eyes of an adult, you know, one, always want things to be more fun, more exciting and more colourful. Do we? We should. Secondly, we've got to believe it's possible, believe things are possible, but that's quite difficult when we live in a world of busyness and overthinking. And thirdly, it's worth the effort. Because as adults, we know what that really means. That means that in the short term, it's going to be pretty tough. We're going on a journey of change. You know, we're going through a period of growth or whatever we fancy terms we want to use for it. Um, and, you know, really, it's this comes down to mindset. As I say, that wee piece of magic for me is mindset. And the best, the best quote I ever saw, which I put in shine, um, was by a woman called Cynthia Ocelli. Um, and again, this is pretty close to being word for word. Um, she said, for a seed to achieve its greatest expression, firstly, a crack must appear down the front. Its insides will then spill out everywhere. And to those who don't understand growth, it will look like complete destruction. And I love this because, I mean, talk about welcome to the world of teaching. Um, well, well, in fact, welcome to life. But I think if we stick with a seed for a moment, if we nurture that seed, look after it, protect it, respect it, give it everything it needs, well, over time, we will be left with something fresh, new, beautiful, full of colour, wonder, and energy, and magic, whatever you want to call it. So what would then happen if we did that with each other? Not just with young people, but with our colleagues, our neighbours, our communities, our workplace in general. Well, the reality is, over a period of time, we will be left with something that feels fresh and new and full of life and energy and wonder and magic. So I've no idea if that answered your question, but for me, that is that wee piece of magic and it all boils down to mindset. No, that's a, a beautiful analogy. I said in one of my earlier podcasts, when I, I can't remember who, which, which one it was. I've, I've, I'm kind of losing track of, of some of them. But I said um, in terms of teaching, we're, we're all scared to let people into their classrooms, but if we can just let other people in, magic can happen and i truly believe that if we if we collaborate more with each other then then actual magic can happen in in the classrooms and you know how often do you hear now people talking about you know creating collab things but again there's so many people just not prepared to give it a shot no i, I totally agree moving on then thinking about um thinking about some of the stuff you, you shared in, in your tedx click manager talk what key lessons have you learned from the New Zealand All Blacks? So I'm a massive rugby fan, um, huge fan. I, I, one of my fondest memories of all time um, was was the 1990 Grand Slam match between Scotland and England at at, uh, at Murray Field um, when David Soul, the then captain, walked out, didn't run out, walked out and led. The 
out onto that pitch. I was meant to be at the game, but I had a and I couldn't go. Um, however, um, massive rugby fan, glued to every major rugby competition, but I also happen to be, whilst 100% Scottish and a true Scottish fan, a massive follower of the, the New Zealand All Blacks. Of course, I think I'm right saying officially recognised as the highest performing team in history with an almost win rate of about 80%, I think, um, which is extraordinary in any sport, sporting context whatsoever. The All Blacks for me, um, so there was an amazing book released a few years ago by a guy called James Kerr. Um, it's called Legacy. Um, and I, I thoroughly recommend people, you know, give it a shot. It's it's not actually about rugby. It's it's very much about leadership, but it's also very much about people. It's about humility and respect, basically, uh, each other. And there are some shared uh, in in James's book and I was I was lucky enough to to speak alongside James at an event in Northern Ireland a couple of years ago and really pick his brains uh about his experience. But there's there's three or four in is uh stab me in the front, which I love. It, it's this idea that uh, it sounds awfully brutal but it's more about feedback. And then, so um it, it's it's this whole idea that if you've got beef with me or um you know I'm not doing something well enough or you don't like how I'm performing or you just simply believe I could do better you tell me to my face and I respond with with humility and kindness and respect I don't get upset I don't get defensive I don't cry about it I don't have to go home on the sick um and I and I, and I love the idea of a culture that allows us to have this quick interaction to get better um they have another one so that stabbed me in the front they have another one which is um a follow the arrowhead and it's this idea that the spear tip has three points, all facing in different directions, but, but it's only at its most effective when it's being driven in the one direction. Uh, they also have one which I love, which is plant trees you'll never see. And I think when it comes to teaching, I mean, let's be honest, that is, that's the job right there. Plant trees mm. you'll never see. In other words, it's not about you. It's about those young people sat in front of you on a day-to-day -day basis an impact that you can have now. It's a bit like my Mary Poppins saying, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you've no idea the impact you're having. You know, you mentioned the teacher um, that you, you you wrote about that, that just changed your life and had this extraordinary impact on you. We don't know half the stories about the people that we've we've, we've worked with and, and, and taught day to day. So plant trees you'll never see. And my favourite one of all, though, is no dickheads allowed. And the thing is, we, we laugh at that, but they take it really serious. And it's believed that there are players in New Zealand who sh all time greats, but they simply, simply have never been allowed to put that shirt on for one reason, and that is they're a dickhead. So for me, to go back to your initial question about what have I learned from New Zealand All Blacks, I guess it's, it's what we would refer to as a benefit mindset. Now, that's not a term uh, that, that they use, but... A benefit mindset is like one step up from a growth mindset. It's that idea that they're almost challenging themselves and each other to, to consider, are you trying to be the best in the world or are you trying to be the best for the world? Are you trying to be the best in the team? Are you trying to be the best for the team? Are you trying to be the best school in the country? Are you trying to be the best school for the country? Again, we're just, you know, in each one there, you change one wee word uh, from in to four and it might just be one wee tiny tiny change but actually it changes everything 
and I, and I think that's I think that's partly what my books and my talks are all about is to challenge people along the lines of are you trying to be the best in the world or the best for the world no I love that and I'm just gonna I was gonna come on to that because that was that was a line that that really has really stuck with me since you said it to TEDx Manager being the best in the team or the best for the team how how is that totally apt for teachers um, well, I think I think it's I think most teachers out there, of course, they want to be the best teacher they can be, but it's but it's for the kids. So I actually think it's that in terms of teachers, it's I think it's more about teaching that message um, and sharing that and cre- creating a, a learning space, a living space for young people that is built around that that mindset and that attitude. So. Like I say, I think most teachers are absolutely trying to be the best teachers for these young people, the best teacher in the community. Um, oh, there's maybe one or two out there that are trying to be the best teacher in the world. Great, go for it, rock on, good luck to you. But for me, it's more about sharing that message with the young people and encouraging a, an environment that allows that mindset to flourish. Um, yeah, I think, I hope that makes sense. It certainly did. Um, you also challenge teachers I suppose you could challenge everyone to do less and be more what do you mean by that yeah so um it's the best piece of advice I ever got in my entire life um so if you think about the times we live in right now for example um our brains are busier than they've ever been you know whether that is because you know if we specific teaching that could be the curriculum um or what we have of our curriculum and what is expected of us and all this additional work that we have to do over and above the the reason we went into teaching in the first place, which is to stand in front of a group of young people and teach. Of course, there's so much going on now, so much expected, so much work, so much admin, paperwork, all that sort of stuff. We're busy. But then if we look at just the world in general, uh, you know, if you look at things like um, smartphones, you know, if it, you know, if I sit and hope, put the phone in my phone in the palm of my hand, I have pretty much the entire world in the palm of my hand right now, accessible pretty much 24 hours a day. And it goes the other way as well. You know, some of us are pretty much now accessible 24 hours a day. There'll be people listening to this who can't switch their phone off. They wouldn't ever let the battery run down to zero. Um, you know, if you you know what it's like when you, you, you go to check if your phone's in your pocket and it's not there. Like it's panic stations for some people. Like it's the, you know, we used to do that when we lost our children in supermarkets. Um, now you just text your child and find out what aisle they're in, and and at time where we're we're glued to our phones all the time. Some of us can't stop looking at social media. We can't stop checking emails. You know, there's families sitting and watch television now on a Saturday night with the, with each other, but they're not. The, the program's on, but mum's Facebooking, dad's YouTubing and checking his emails. Mum's checked her emails already five times. You know, wee brother's on Facebook, big sister's Snapchatting and Instagramming. We're all physically in the same room, but we're but we're not present. And I worry that um, we are in a society now where in our brains, we're too on, we're too busy, therefore... We're not hearing everything. We're not seeing everything. We're not noticing anymore. I mean, there's people walk out the front door and they walk out the front door looking at their phones or it's heads down. You know, how many of us walk out the front door and just 
look look at the colours on the trees for a bit. Um, and the reality is, some people don't have time to do that anymore. So, yeah, it's about being present. I think as teachers, this, as you said, this actually goes for everybody. But as teachers, our job is to turn up every day. Is to turn up. It doesn't matter if you're not feeling well. It doesn't matter if you've had shit going on at home. You have, I don't know, 25, 30 children sat in front of you from nine o'clock till half past three or whatever your school day is. You need to turn up. And if you don't turn up, then you can't you can't challenge them for not turning up. And by turn up, I mean I don't I don't mean physically. I mean everything. You know, emotionally, spiritually, you know, your energy. You you need to turn up. So do less, be more. I turn up. Brilliant. Um, you also have a, have a really brilliant uh, Rice Krispies analogy that I feel it was when you said it, it was so relevant for teaching right now and in the future. Can you share that, please? Of course. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so again, this is one of those. This is one of those ones that it wasn't meant to be a thing, but it's now become a thing, and people hashtag it and all sorts. I, I, I see. I see your jobs um, as being like um, a big bowl of Rice Krispies. And you fill it with Rice Krispies. Um, yet, uh, just the Rice Krispies. I would ask the listeners to not get ahead of me here. Uh, how would we describe them? So they would be, I mean, they're plain. Um, they're boring. They're, life, they're lifeless. They're a bit dusty. Of course, that is until you add the milk. And then what happens, Darren? Oh, they go snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> they do. They snap, they crackle, they pop, they fizz, they bang, they whiz. They come alive. They float. They spill out over the edge. If you put in enough milk, they, they come alive. You can see them moving in the bowl in front of you. Um, but the interesting thing is, if you don't get stuck in, if you don't get stuck in and devour them, top them up, refresh them entirely if you have to, occasionally whack some sugar on, they turn to what? Mush. Turn to mush. They become soggy. They just become a bit meh. So if the Rice Krispies are our jobs, then that makes us the milk. And if we don't get stuck in, devour it, top it up, refresh it, entirely sometimes and this is the thing sometimes people need to go and do something else or just move to a different place of work or completely transform how they're uh, how they're doing things or occasionally whack some sugar on and i like to remind people that they're not willy wonka but sometimes you need to sugarcoat stuff and if you don't then it turns to mush becomes soggy it becomes a bit meh and at that point it's very very difficult to encourage anyone to want to even go near those rice krispies so how I often would finish this if I'm speaking with people is with a very simple phrase, and that is, be the milk. No, Brian, I absolutely loved it when you said that, and thank you so much for, for sharing sharing that wonderful analogy. Um, by the time this podcast is released, uh, your new book, Life Will See You Now, will be out. What can you tell us about it? So Life Will See You Now is... Um, Oh, do you know, Darren, it's me on a plate. So it is, it's different. So it's, I'm saying that, you know, if you look at things that I've written before, like Shine and, and Brilliant Kid and, and Zest, it's it's still very much, 
in in that sort of spirit of of personal development and self help, it's fun, it's upbeat, it's entertaining. You know, Andy and I have often talked about how we've created this kind of almost like self help comedy in a way. But there is another side to life we'll see you now. It's in places it's darker, in places it's edgier. Um, I have poured my soul out into this book in places. There's stuff in that book that, are, that is going to take some people by surprise. It's stuff that I don't speak about, that I've not spoken about. Um, for example, I have a chapter in there called Confidently Lost, um, which very much sums me up at certain times in my life. And albeit I stand up on stage sometimes in front of thousands of people all over the world, I write books. I have had an ongoing battle with anxiety my, my entire life and I can go months, in fact, I can go years where it doesn't bother me, but there are moments where it doesn't just come on its holidays, it comes to stay and it come, and it brings its family with it and I have learned to manage that. Sometimes I forget how to manage it, but I've learned to manage it. So I've shared a lot of this in Life Will See You Now. Um, so I, the, the thinking behind that is, Whilst I will probably have some anxious moments about people finding this stuff out, it's going to help people. And I simply want to get out of my bed every day to go and help people to help themselves. That's it. So if this can help even one person by me talking about my own experiences, then then job done. But I'm, I'm very, very proud of it. I am hugely nervous about it. And Andy's read it um, uh, along with, I think, four other people. Um, and Everybody tells me that they love it and it's great. And if they're lying to me, then I will find out where they live and hunt them down. <laughs> no, thank you very much. I'm, for me, I'm very, very much looking forward to, to reading that. Having read all your previous work, I, I really do look forward to that. And thank you very much for sharing a bit there. Um, just before we move on to some of the features I have for the for the podcast, can you share where people will be able to, to buy your book and buy your previous work? And also where, if they wanted to find out a little bit about more about you and the work that you do with Tria Knowledge, where could they go to find out? Cool, so first things first then, the books, um, like like pretty much every book in the world, I mean, the fastest and cheapest way to get them is online. Um, there is, of course, one great, big, famous online store that you can purchase the books from, uh, but there are also lots of small, independent online retailers that um, I thoroughly recommend people uh, pay attention to uh, and, and visit as well. Um, if you do decide to go with uh, the, the big one itself, then there is also options on there where a percentage of your money goes to charity. Um, some people might not be aware. So if people do decide to buy the books from the biggest online retailer, um, they might not be aware, but there is now a feature where you can actually give a percentage of the money to charity. And if people want, people want to do that, can I ask them to please uh, choose Pancreatic Cancer Scotland, um, a charity very close to my heart, having lost my dad to pancreatic cancer. Um, also, um, bookshops, um, if they don't have it in, they can, they can order it in. Again, I am a huge fan of independent bookshops, but if you go to the big names, if they don't have it, uh, they'll be able to order them in and the new one will be in uh, most shops and it will definitely be in like all the the W. Smiths that are in like the, the airports and the train stations uh, and things like that. And in terms of the work we do through Tree of Knowledge, um, treeof.com or gavinoats.com, 
um, tree of knowledge. We, we, we work in primaries, secondary schools, uh, colleges, universities and businesses as well. And we have programs for everything from resilience to growth mindset to exam prep uh, to high performing teams stuff and presentation skills as well. So everything and anything. Uh, but treeof.com is the best, best place to go. But of course, they can get me on, on Twitter. I've got my Facebook page, my Instagram and my LinkedIn. Brilliant. And, and just a just a little plug. Anyone that anyone that works in schools that wants your your speakers to come in and, and work with the children, I would highly recommend it. It's really made an impact in some of the young people that I've worked with. So thank you very much for that. Um, I've got two features that I, I want, I'm going to feature are part of my podcast. The first one, um, my dream school, is I'm asking everyone that comes on to to offer up someone throughout history or who, dead or alive who did teach them a certain subject so for you um if you could choose anyone dead or alive to teach you pe who would that be and why oh so i right i hate these questions because my head starts going this person this person this person this person and i always think the way my brain works down is i always think for some reason i always think about dead rock stars but that doesn't tally up with PE so much. Well, it could. I mean, you know, I, I'd love, uh, I, I'd love some of my, uh, you know, rock heroes to like Freddie Mercury <laughs> to come and teach me volleyball. I loved volleyball at school as well. But um, yeah, so I'm to come and uh, teach us how to volleyball. Um, but actually, um, thinking about this. I'm going to stick with someone from the sporting world. Um, and I would love a guy who unfortunately has actually passed away. He died when he was only 53. And he was actually my best friend of all times, dad. Um, and he was very famous. His name was Gordon Brown, not the former prime minister. But Gordon Brown, also known as Brunfi Troon. Uh, Gordon Brown is regularly named in the greatest Scottish rugby 15 of all time. He played second row for Scotland. He was the first ever Scottish player to go on three consecutive British Lions tours and also the number one after dinner speaker in the world. And my absolute hero when it comes to speaking. And he was a tremendous rugby player, just an all round beautiful human. Uh, he was my mum and dad's best pal and, uh, like I say, the father of my own best pal. And I would love to have been able to have the chance to be in a, a PE lesson with Gordon Brown. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks for putting the personal touch on that as well. That's wonderful. But Freddie, Mer but Freddie Mercury playing volleyball, that also would be awesome. That would be brilliant. Um, on to my final three now. Um, oh, hang on. i go back a wee bit. And David Bowie. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, on to my final three now. Um, to first off, uh, what book or text has had the biggest impact on your career? Okay, there's two. Um, just very quickly, The Art of Being Brilliant by Dr. Andy Cope and Andy Whitaker. Um, I've told Andy this already. When I read his book, it made me really angry because I was reading it thinking, who is this arsehole? Why has he written my book? He's using all the language I use. He's talking about the stuff that I talk about. How dare he get before here before me? So I stalked him, hunted him down, and told him they needed to write a better book with a much younger Scottish guy. Uh, and that happened with Shine. 
Uh, and secondly, Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. Um, Tuesdays with Maury, for me, uh, had the biggest impact on my career. Um, it's all about a, a guy and an ex-teacher, actually, is it a lecturer or a teacher? doesn't really matter. It's both the same thing uh, of his that he hasn't seen for years, finds out he's very ill, goes to visit him in hospital and actually visits him every Tuesday. And every Tuesday, Maury teaches him a life lesson. So it's all true stories. Um, that book, Tuesdays with Maury, was the first book that ever made me cry and think, God, I need to make some changes here. So yeah, Tuesdays with Maury and The Art of Being Brilliant. Wonderful. Um, second question, if you could give one bit of advice to a teacher, what would it be? Oh, we've already said it, Darren, and it's it's um it's do less, be more. I thought you would say that. Um, lastly, the <laughs> milk. Lastly, um, something that really interests me in terms of my own research is what do you think most gets in the way of just great teaching? Uh, what gets in the way the most of just great teaching um our thoughts um you are what you think um yeah our our own thoughts our own doubts our own fears um i mean you can throw all the bureau we can throw bureaucracy into it if we want and paperwork and admin and all that political nonsense but no i think uh, i think it's our own thoughts um, yeah, I have no idea where I'm going with that, but it's our own thinking. Our own thinking is everything at the end of the day. Like I say, you are what you think. So um, let's let's just get in there and think about uh, great teaching. Brilliant. So that brings us to the end of the interview, Gavin. I'd like to thank you so much for giving me your time, for persever for persevering through some of the the issues we had there and for, for your great contributions. They, they really are valuable. Well, listen, I think your podcast is awesome and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And a uh, big love and thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. If you want to find out more about what was discussed today, please head over to my website, becomingeducated.co.uk. And finally, if you haven't done so already, I would really love it if you were to subscribe to the podcast. That way, all future episodes will be downloaded directly into your feed. And before you go, please always remember to teach with joy.